Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, the best podcast to break down hard-hitting dialogue such as, pretty neat, huh? Do you think I could parlay it into a guest shot on That's Incredible? Here to provide analysis for that line and so much more is my friend Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? I'm doing great today, James B. I, I tripped my beard a little bit, so looking, looking a little less hobo Joe-ish. And this is a dated reference you've told me here, and I don't know. You're going to have to help me, James B. That's incredible. <laughs> That's TV show. Okay, yeah. well, bring it back. It's like a 1984-85 show, obviously. That's why it's in this thing here. So, We are still in 1984 for one more book, and that's because it's an annual. And that annual is from December of 1984. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 18, The Scorpion Takes a Bride. Plot by Tom DeFalco, art by Ron Friends, Bob Layton, and Jackson Geis, and written by Stan Lee. Eddie, why did I do this summary instead of you? <laughs> Perhaps because I read this book, I wrote some notes, but then I just forgot to summarize it, so... Your turn, James B. All right, so we're going to get like a Marvel team-up style summary for just this one, and then we'll go back to our regularly scheduled... Very appropriate. Yeah, Eddie summaries for the rest of them. But for this one, this annual, Eddie, it's a book with Peter retelling in the narrator-punisher style that you enjoy so much. Uh, We begin with Spider-Man literally catching a helicopter and then selling the pics to the bugle. After Peter learns J. Jonah Jameson is getting married... To Marla Madsen, Spider-Man plants a mischievous kiss on Jonah's lips. Spider-Man's still wearing his mask, by the way. (laughs) The Scorpion sees J. Jonah Jameson visiting his son John in the nursing home that they both reside in. Uh, The Scorpion escapes using John as a hostage. Free in the city, the Scorpion goes after Marla, but Spider-Man interferes. Spider-Man isn't as powerful as a Scorpion in this book. He has a really hard time. John, Marla, and J. John Jameson face the Scorpion at different times, but they're no match as well. And there's a lot of threats to their uh, existence and who's going to live and who's going to die. But Spider-Man returns to the fight. He had been distracted by having to save innocent people because the Scorpion kept breaking off parts of buildings, knowing it would slow Spider-Man down. Uh, But eventually Spider-Man gains the advantage using his webbing over the Scorpion's eyes and he wins. John gives Jonah his blessing, and Marla becomes Mrs. J. Jonah Jameson. All right. Marla Madison is J. Jonah Jameson's official wife. I, this is a pretty prominent <laughs> book for that, right? Um, uh, sure. <laughs> it's called The Scorpion Takes a Bride. Yes. You know, the play on words there, of course, as I can appreciate that, you know, he's literally taking a bride. Uh, the book also features lots of random characters in it. Gloria, right? Gloria yeah, Grant. Gloria Grant. One, one panel. Yes. <laughs> My favorite uh, police officer who has a crush on Spider-Man was in it. Yes. Gene DeWolf is in there, not yeah. able to protect uh, J. Jonah Jameson or Marla very well, unfortunately, no. but yeah. she's there. She, yeah. She's drawn as the version who like is a hard-nosed cop version. Yes. Know, well, we, we got a very classic villain from the Scorpion. I, I like the Scorpion, actually. We haven't seen him in a long time. And it's funny that he gets beaten by getting web over his eyes. <laughs> it's kind of a throwback book, uh, this one, I'd say, uh, as opposed to uh, some of our newer things that are going on. But a very prominent one because of the marriage. It, like it's not just important, but it's just a good book overall. It was, it was a lot of good things happening in it. Yeah, I wish every annual had some kind of prominent uh, development of side characters, uh, which is a format they should just continuously use until they stop writing annuals <laughs> instead of just, I don't know, whatever they usually do. <laughs> Something goofy, far off into another dimension with Doctor Strange. 
<laughs> Before we close up this book, Eddie, I sometimes ask questions to you thinking you don't know the answer, but sometimes you might know them. So oh. I couldn't recall why John Jameson was like in a nursing home, like kind of doing puzzles like he was unable to exist in society do you do we know this i don't know if we know this i mean we know he had the moon rock pulled out of his throat so he's not oh boy wolf man man wolf man man wolf (laughs) man wolf wolf man anymore i guess that could have disturbed his brain but i don't think that was something that happened in an amazing spider-man or any spider-man book i don't know either okay well it was worth a try but thank you for trying um (laughs) In the other parts of our world, the Amazing Spider-Man book, I do know that Mary Jane has recently found out Peter's identity. And uh, Felicia, who, even though she's prominently in the Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man books, she is still here and she's been acting kind of strange. And Aunt May has not been talking to Peter still. Yes, I think we can assume it's been months uh, since Peter has told Aunt May he is no longer in school. And it, it, it could be close to a year that he's actually dropped out of school. Uh, it seems very out of character for Aunt May to hold this over her nephew's head. Uh, she won't communicate with him whatsoever. No. Uh, oh, yeah, also, the uh, besides every single book we read in the last month, and, and I'm going to read the next month, mentioning that he has a proportional strength and speed of a spider, he also constantly mentions that I used to wear a black suit that fit me really well and I didn't have to worry about webs. <laughs> but now that suit is a symbiote and good thing it's locked up in Reed Richards' lab. That comes up in every single book yes. now, too, because The Secret Wars is going on at the same time still. Wow. So we have to kind of understand this. The Secret Wars is going to go on until 63, I think. So wow. like when, when, when that book comes out, that's the end of The Secret Wars. So we keep hearing about that. But this book is not 263. Uh, this book is from January of 1985. Woohoo! New Year! Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 260, The Challenge of the Hobgoblin by Tom DeFalco, Ron Friends, Joe Rubenstein, and Brett Breeding. We begin with Aunt May steadfast in her belief that Peter must return to school. Not even a cup of tea from her housemate Arthur loosens Aunt May's resolve to ignore her nephew, James B., it's clear where Peter gets his inability to talk out problems that we see all the time with Spider-Man. Aunt May is far from Peter's mind because he's breaking up a gambling ring and learning that the Hobgoblin is making a play on Kingpin's rackets. It's important to understand the Rose is working with the Hobgoblin, but the Rose plans to take over the city at the expense of the Kingpin and the Hobgoblin. He's always thinking in his mind who's going to double-cross both of them. (laughs) Thank you, James B. Ike. Kind of ignore the rose here. As Spider-Man swings home, he contemplates his problems with Black Cat, Mary Jane, and Aunt May. Also, Spidey concludes it is his fault the Hobgoblin exists and that he must find Norman Osborn's journals to stop him. Seems a bit harsh that Spider-Man thinks the creation of the Hobgoblin is his fault. Yeah, I saw this note from you. I commented here, if you notice that, just to clarify... He's actually saying that it's his fault the Hobgoblin escaped the last time. So anything going forward on from this point is his fault. He's not blaming the whole existence of the Hobgoblin, um, but he is blaming that anything that's happening now is because he let him get away. Interesting. Because I I think he could have have tried to clean up Green Goblin more after he didn't exist anymore. But all right. Well, at Osborne corporate offices, uh, they don't have a symbiote, but it does have a very upset Harry Osborne. Someone is attempting a hostile takeover of the company. With head in hands, Harry doesn't see the hobgoblin crashing through his window. Uh, 
Hobby demands Harry give him his father's journals. He actually offers him a trade, which, coming on the plot line of Harry and financial troubles, led me to believe that Harry would make the trade. I'm like, oh, he's going to trade him a bunch of money or something, and Harry's going to give him the journals. Um, and then suddenly, while this is going on, they're interrupted by... Spider-Man. See what I did there? You, you thought that it was going to be like something crazy, but it was actually just, that was obviously Spider-Man. <laughs> Good, James B. As you said, Spider-Man swings in and plants a left hook on Hobby's chin. The fight involves a toilet at one point. Although Spidey eventually ends up webbing onto Hopgoblin's glider as he attempts to escape. Uh, let me explain the toilet in this fight, because toilet humor is my specialty, James B. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> and at one point, they are fighting through the corporate offices of Osborne Enterprises, or whatever it's called, Osborne Manufacturing, excuse me. And Spider-Man punches Hopgoblin through a bathroom stall. They're in a ladies' room, too. And Hopgoblin ends up sitting on the toilet, and he's, like, really upset about this. He says, don't say a word. I know you're smirking beneath your mask. And then when he pulls out a pumpkin bomb, the the toilet is not done in this fight. Spider-Man webs the pumpkin bomb to Hopgoblin's hand, and he has to douse the flame from the bomb in the toilet. (laughs) You'll pay 1,000-fold, says Hopgoblin as he leaves the bathroom. So... It's it's uh, quite a quite a different type of fight, I guess we could say. <laughs> yes, and the and the woman in the stall or the woman in the bathroom says something like, "You maniacs, this is a ladies' room. Get out of here." Yeah, as if that you know, go to the men's room for your battle. Uh, well, Spider-Man narrowly escapes being hit by a train, and Hopgoblin flies off. Below the fray, we see Liz and MJ returning from lunch when the Roses men grab them and usher them into a car. Harry tries to stop the assailants, but is swatted away. As they drive off with his pregnant wife, Harry utters that the Hobgoblin will live to regret the day he crossed the son of the Green Goblin. Yeah, and then Peter explains to the reader that for a time, his father was the Goblin, and for a short time, he thought he was the Green Goblin, too. I'm like, it wasn't a short time. It was a long time. (laughs) Yeah, it looks like there's going to be a lot of goblins flying around the city soon. It's a good book. I like it. Did you like it? Uh, Yeah, it's a pretty good book. Uh, In the middle of the fight, we see uh, Joe Robbie, too, at the Bugle, uh, unable to find Peter Parker or Lance Bannon. It seems like this is an obvious illusion that the Hobgoblin is Lance Bannon, since, like, they pair them together. Uh, I guess anybody could be the Hobgoblin still, right? Sure. I think you have 30 more podcasts before you find (laughs) out. You're right or you're wrong. All right. Well, I will keep speculating. But what we don't have to wait for is our next issue. Oh, and that's from February of 1985. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 261. Nice segue, Eddie. The Sins of My Father by DeFalco, Friends, and Rubenstein. (laughs) Mark it on the calendar. I did a good segue. The Hobgoblin has kidnapped Liz Osborne and Mary Jane in the hopes of forcing Harry to bring him his father's journals. But Harry can only find one journal. It is the master list of all Norman's hiding places. As Harry drives the journal to the Hobgoblin, he's tracked by Spider-Man. 
Oh, yeah. So I guess the Hobgoblin's trade was Liz Allen. He had nothing else that he was offering him. I'm also telling you that it, you get more flies with honey. So I really think he could have given him some cash, but maybe he doesn't have as much financial power as I thought. Although the book has mentioned a couple of times that these guys are racking up 10% of the illegal operations from bookies and, you know, maybe fencing operations, Eddie. You would probably know a little bit about that and stuff like that. But I guess he doesn't have all the cash I thought he does. <laughs> well, in a mysterious scene inside the Baxter building, a strange, tiny robotic drone approaches the, the symbiote's prison. We don't see who is piloting the drone, but it bores a pin-sized hole into the glass and the symbiote is free. I enjoy one page of this storyline being in every book. It's a nice effect without taking away from the main plot line, which I like being the Hobgoblin. So good job, guys. Yeah. Uh, at the park, the Hobgoblin uh, meets Harry and knocks him out and takes the journal and unconscious Harry back to his lair. Spider-Man continues to follow as Spidey tries to sneak into the lair. Harry, Liz, and MJ attempt to escape. When gunfire is heard, both the Hobgoblin and Spider-Man come running. A vicious battle ensues that eventually starts a fire. I enjoy how MJ is letting the reader know that she knows Peter's secret. And she thinks things in her bubbles like, Peter, where are you? But she also says lines that kind of convey she's in the know. I know you disagree with me here a little bit. I think she's keeping it just okay. I really enjoy reading. It makes me feel like she's in the adventure with me and we're all aware of who, you know, Spider-Man is. I really also like that Liz Osborne goes into labor in the middle of the battle. It's a time, speaking of going into labor, I like how they they kidnap Mary Jane because they're like, well, if Liz needs someone to take care of her, then we'll have Mary Jane as if she's going to take care of her. But I do not like how she's talking about Peter Parker and his close relationship to Spider-Man very openly. Uh, pretty soon he's not going to have a secret identity anymore. And I don't know that it's not a good look. That That's how I, that's what I think is going to happen. Yeah. I think you're overreacting because you're used to Felicia. She barely does anything. The worst she does is she says at one point, like, you know, Hey, does Peter Parker know what's going on? Yeah. Like that's the worst she says. Right. Well, at one point in the fight, it looks like the hobgoblin will kill Harry, but he is kicked off his glider by an infuriated Spider-Man. Spider-Man beats the Hobgoblin into a semi-conscious state, but must leave him to save his friends from the fire. Liz is rushed to the hospital while the Hobgoblin limps back to a different hideout. There, he discovers the journal is useless and vows vengeance on Spider-Man. To be fair, the journal isn't useless. It's just useless to him because he's already got the information. It's not like it's a good journal, but it's a backup of the one he's already read. Right. Also, unlike the Scorpion who just really beats up Spider-Man for the entire book and then at the last second loses, the Hobgoblin is, you know, they're going tip-top toes here, but the Hobgoblin's really losing a lot at the end badly. Yeah. To the point that I think, I got a sense he retreats back and he's just like, oh my God, this is barely worth it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like, what am yeah. I doing? He's yeah. just pretty annoyed. I agree. He's he's really beat up at the end and... Anything else that you want to talk about right now about 260 or 261 or the annual before we head to our sponsor? Uh, well, James B., I just wanted to say I ignore the rose a lot in these two books. 
In fact, so much so that I'm always saying, like, the Hobgoblins men are kidnapping Liz and MJ. And you're like, it's the Roses men. You think the Rose is more important, I think, than than, certainly than I think he is. And almost more important than the Hobgoblin. Could that be correct? So I'm reading the book as somebody who is experiencing it through through the moment. But right now, the Rose is double-crossing the Kingpin. And the Kingpin... Doesn't seem to know it. Right. He's got a plan against the Hobgoblin, and the Hobgoblin doesn't seem to know it. He's got an army full of men. He's doing everything right. He's like the only, he's using his head better than these other guys are sometimes. Like, hmm. I think the Rose is doing this. I'd be betting on the Rose right now if I didn't really, you know, know what I know. He's doing. And you're not even acknowledging him in the story. I didn't even acknowledge. He's just a more boring version of the Kingpin for me, I guess. And the way that the Hobgoblin and Kingpin kind of ignore him makes me ignore him because they, they're clearly not concerned about him. So He's not. He's like a boring version of the... He's more like the big man. Yes. Okay. He's, that, you know, he, that would be a great twist, too, if he takes his... By the way, the Rose is a purple mascot, everyone, if you didn't know. <laughs> we don't actually know who he is. Boring. No one meets up to your expectations. <laughs> they're not so. the kingpins, so they're just not as interesting. Mm. I know that you're uh, such a big Hobgoblin fan, and that's that's good because, Eddie, I don't know if you realize this, but we are less than six weeks, Eddie, from Halloween. So oh. today's sponsor is an item that you need today. Eddie, I'm probably going to do this sponsor without you. I understand if you're about to grab your keys and head out the door as we're talking because you may recall that the Green Goblin costume makes you crazy. Well, I mean, the Hobgoblin costume, (laughs) that really makes you crazier. Unlike many Halloween costumes where you pretend to be crazy, just putting this on makes you crazy. Remember good old Ollie Osnick? He would say, dress up as Doc Ock. Maybe Doc Ock and Spider-Man combined. There's a future spoiler for you, by the way. But you'll just get your arms ripped off. Choose the Hobgoblin costume, Eddie. Don't be a mover. Be the Hobgoblin. What's that you say? Your friend wants to be the Green Goblin. No worries. You can never have too many Green Goblins either. Just ask Harry Osborn. Green Goblin and Hobgoblin costumes are available right now at Circle K, Cumberland Farms, and Wawa. The best place for costumes and Eddie's favorite, Circus Peanuts. Circus Peanuts. Well, I never lived down the idea that Peter Parker could have been a good mover. It's like a hundred. It's like I'd be a hundred podcasts of me trying to live that down, James B. How- In comedy, they call that a throwback. <laughs> uh, I am excited for Halloween, and I am always in charge of Halloween in my household because my wife does not like it, but. I don't need any extra crazy in my life, James B. So I, I'll leave it to you to try the Hobgoblin costume on. <laughs> okay. I I thought you might have left the house already to go buy some costumes, <laughs> but that's okay. And, you know, your mover your mover reference that goodness knows when, how far ago that came up. But you, you meant it, right? You thought he'd be a good mover. He would be a good mover. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> That's fine. I'm just saying you can't dress up as a mover unless you want to. <laughs> you carry a box around. I'm going to dress up as a mover as a Halloween, James B., just to show you how it could be done. Send you a picture. Mm. Eddie, if people want to let us know what they're going to dress up for as Halloween. And last year, I believe two of our listeners dressed up as uh, Marvel characters and sent us images. But nice. if they wanted to let us, if they wanted to send us a photo, how would they email it to us? You could email us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. Or you could find us on X slash Twitter at Let's Read Spidey. And I'm James B. Joined by Eddie. <laughs> you sure? 
Yes. And remember, listeners, the Hobgoblin could be anyone, including... Mrs. Buggins. I think it's Mrs. Buggins. Goodbye. Goodbye. All right, Eddie, you always have the books open and I never do. Yes, it's true. Real real quick, go to uh, 260 and get to page 18 for me. Yeah. You're, you're already there? I'm there. Oh, that's good. You're really fast at this. <laughs> Look at, so Spider-Man is fighting the Hobgoblin. This is following the bathroom scene. They're, they're flying out of the bathroom and the Hobgoblin says, farewell, Spider-Man, for now. Spider-Man thinks in his thought bubbles, this is my last try at him. Have to time this leap just right. Okay, I'm fine with that. Okay. Then he thinks in his head, it's Splatter City if I'm off the least bit. And he says out loud, Geronimo, which sure, whatever. <laughs> and he jumps. Now, understand, he's been thinking and shouting. And now he says out loud, Eddie, missed. He gunned his glider to avoid me. <laughs> and the hobgoblin replies, of course. What else did you expect? Stan Lee was not writing this one, or was he? <laughs> Just the annual. Just yeah, I think he came in for these two uh, panels because. <laughs>